0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the One Step Better podcast. Today, we have a special edition, a little bit different than normal. Um, I have a good friend, Randy Allred, who's gonna be joining us and talking about all things insurance. What we find is that uh, insurance for a lot of people can be a bit of a fuzzy subject. Do I have enough coverage? Do I have the right coverage? Should I have additional coverage? And so Randy and I hash all of that out during today's episode. So make sure you listen in and take a bunch of notes. It'll be really good. Thanks. This is the One Step Better podcast. Helping small businesses make wins each and every week. So Randy, I've been doing this whole insurance thing for about, uh, goodness, a couple years now. And as I got into it, what I quickly realized is that the more I don't know, uh, it's coming up all the time. I find that a lot of times people are afraid to talk about insurance they're not uh super savvy on what they have what coverages they have what coverages they don't have what they even should have what's been your experience with working with small business owners as it relates to their insurance needs
1: yeah I, it's a good question um I, you know i think a lot of small business owners are pulled in so many different directions right um running the business keeping it operational keeping it profitable that insurance is oftentimes one of the things they forget to even think about. Um, and especially as their, their businesses start to grow and evolve, most businesses will start out right with a probably lower limits and they never go back and review those policies. They never go back and look at them. They never, um, things don't change from when a policy was originally started with a, a small business five years, 10 years down the road, their limits and exposures are probably a lot greater than when they started. Um, People just don't know what's in the policy, and there's a lot of foreign language in there uh, to a lot of people. And so, even if uh, I, I would say the the rare person that actually reads their insurance policy um, probably has no idea what's even in their policy. Yeah. Because they and if they do, they they can't understand it.
0: Or they assume everything's covered. Yeah. I have insurance, therefore, if anything under the sun happens, I'm going to be covered.
1: Yeah. There's a t- always the case. Ton of loopholes. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes the, I think these insurance carriers look for opportunities to not pay. Right, and they actually write it into the policy. But I would willing to to venture and, and bet that most people have never even looked at their insurance policy outside of a declarations page and the signature like acceptance page.
0: It, with that being true, because I I would agree wholly with that. If that's true, what's the role of the carrier versus the broker versus the business owner? to actually know what's in their stuff. Because if I'm not, I'm not an insurance expert and I'm yep. expecting the guy that I'm buying this insurance plan from to be an expert, Sure. if I read the thing, I still don't even know what it says.
1: Yeah. I, it, and unfortunately, it really falls on that business owner, right, um, to, to know what's in their policy. Um, when they sign that form, they're basically acknowledging, and I mean, if you read the fine print on most signature acceptance forms, that I'm agreeing to and accepting the coverage that's outlined in this proposal. And so ultimately the burden does fall back on the business owner, right, um, to know what's in their policy. Uh, and so if there's a gap or uh, something there, now hopefully you have – that's why you're hiring the right broker and not just any broker off the street um, because hopefully your broker, you're hiring them to be an expert in their industry, to know what they're doing and know what they're, – they're, they know your business and they know those gaps and and they're providing the right coverage to, to fill those gaps. The ultimate right end decision maker is the business owner to say, do I have the coverage and does it meet my risk tolerance? Um, And so just asking really good questions, uh, engage with your broker. Uh, I feel like insurance oftentimes is a very transactional relationship, right? Where a business owner will call and say, hey, I need a general liability policy or a work comp policy. They ask some basic questions, generate a, a quote, flip it out, sign and that's the end of it.
0: Here's kind of your canned policy. Correct. We're good,
1: right? Yeah. But really, a good business owner uh, and broker should sit down and and have a, an in depth conversation of the operations of the business, what those exposures are. Um, if there's anything that's above and beyond that kind of you know cookie cutter policy, that m- most businesses do have extra needs and need extra coverage, and it's not expensive to buy. Oftentimes, um, they're just unaware.
0: Yeah, we we often say you know, as an accounting firm, a lot of business owners are afraid to admit or acknowledge that they don't exactly understand what a financial statement is or should be doing or what it looks like or what's good or bad about it. I find insurance is similar. I agree, because there's a there's a pride, there's an ego that comes in with being a business owner, especially if you're successful. Yeah, I built this thing, and so I got to know something, and it's 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 hard to admit that. You know what? Insurance is a critical part of something I need. I don't think anybody likes to pay for insurance, but it is critical and, and you got to have it. But I also don't want to admit that I don't necessarily know exactly what's in my policy. Yeah. I don't want to admit that, you know what, if if maybe a tornado came through and took my building out, I think that's covered, but I'm not 100% certain or what the limit of my coverage is.
1: I, I think you're spot on. Yeah. I mean, there is an element of pride that we just have to overcome, right? And be willing to to partner and and know that you've hired the best broker that's looking out for your needs. And, and man, I, I can't emphasize enough the fact that you need to ask quality questions, right, and and, and have a good dialogue with your broker. Um, because they really should be your advocate, right, looking out for you and finding those extra needs and, and get the, getting those coverages placed. And so maybe the business owner doesn't really need to know it if they have a great broker. Yeah. Um, but I would still –
0: we got to have an understanding on yeah, some level. I, I would hope so. You would hope so. So if you're sitting down in front of a, a small business owner and you're reviewing coverage, thinking about, you know, these are all the different options that you need, what are some of the questions that you're asking them? What are some of the things that you need to learn to figure out what's the best policy?
1: Yeah. Uh, gosh, that's a that's a really good question. And I think there's it could go a lot of different directions based off of, you know, I think one of the, the – an area right now that we're seeing – claims happen on a large pace or scale is employment practices right um and when you think of that like think of like discrimination or racism and kind of what's happening in our our world right and the the sensitivity and exposure to this type of uh, situation in the workplace Uh, a lot of people have no coverage for that and it's not necessarily for discrimination or harassment Outside of the organization, but it's in, internally. Think of maybe uh, uh, a, a small restaurant owner who has managers working, you know, the afternoon shift, evening shift, and they're not. Maybe the business owner isn't there, uh, kind of managing and being hands-on. Um, what is that that manager saying and doing? How are they interacting? Are they maybe? Are they are they discriminating against a, a, a certain class of? people? Um, And if so, that's a huge exposure that you may not even have. And so I think it's just really understanding the operations of the business. A good broker, hopefully, is asking those questions. And and a business owner, I think, as they meet and consult with these uh, insurance advisors and brokers, is to really you know be an open book share all the ins and outs of the businesses um as a broker we should know what those coverages look like right and what those gaps are by looking at maybe an existing policy but i think most of the times like you know i would even look at like a cyber policy as being really critical in today's world um you know there's cyber hacks that happen all the time what type of coverage do we even have in a cyber policy um you know things we may not have thought through before um if you're collecting data you know personal information and that gets leaked whose responsibility is that you know oftentimes people say well oh i have a, a merchant account through google or square or whoever right
0: go and, after and, amazon right
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah good luck that's not going to happen right yeah. and if you read through the the fine print on that those contracts with those companies it ultimately ends back on you yeah. as the business owner so it's really just understanding the nuances of the business and the operations, and then making sure there's a good dialogue between business owner and broker to make sure those coverages are,
0: or those needs are covered. Cyber is the big one that I I think is pretty scary for a lot of a lot of people, especially in our world where we're dealing a lot with computers technology. Our clients are doing the same, and that's how they interact with us. Um, and it seems like that landscape in the insurance world has changed dramatically over the past few years, even, Um, I think our cyber policy was just maybe four years ago, five years ago, it was $5,000 a year. And then at our last renewal, it was like, this is going to be $20,000 a year. It was something insane. And it was, you start talking to other people that have like-kind businesses and it was, oh, that seems like the norm now. What's going on in that world? Well, I mean, you think
1: about it, like just insurance in general, right? I, I have a kind of a saying that the carriers probably don't love, but the insurance carriers never lose, right? And so as claims go up, right, and along with cyber, EPLI uh, would be in the same group. It was fairly cheap a couple of years ago, but as we have these social movements and bringing more awareness to it, the burden of proof is back on the employer to prove that it didn't happen or that we have the right coverage. Um, as claims occur, and insurance carriers pay out these massive nuclear type of claims um, because there's just astronomical numbers associated with them. They're, the rates go up for everyone yeah. right who's buying from that particular carrier. And I think cyber's the same way because these cyber hacks are happening on a daily basis. They, you know, it used to be they were going after the big retail shops like Target and Walmart, yeah. and you know, they these cyber attackers were going for a big payday. Well, they've actually found out that. There's probably more money in it to go after the small guy because they pay, right? And they'll pay the ransom, um, and they don't likely have an insurance policy you have to go through. So they're just going to get it done and pay for it. Um, you know, sometimes they hopefully we do have the policy, and there's coverage there. But that's why you're seeing the premium skyrocket because claims are being paid. It is happening on a more frequent basis with the small employer because we don't have the infrastructure. We don't have all the the protection and security that a Walmart or a Target sure. has. We're just more vulnerable. It's on budget. Yeah, we don't have the, the pockets <laughs> for it. So, um, yeah, you you will see more claims in that arena. And the,
0: unfortunately, the premiums will likely continue to go up. So what are the baseline coverages? What's the lines of coverage that you think every business owner needs, like at, at a bare minimum? Um,
1: so, I mean, right, work comp is the obvious one. Um, it's kind of mandated by most states. Uh, so if you don't have a work comp policy, you're probably in violation uh, of a law. And I think if you look at it, there's two... Types of coverages that are required by law, and so we'll start there, right? So work comp is one of them, and the other one is if you have a vehicle, you have to have auto insurance. So those are two that are just absolutely required. Now the other ones I would argue are may not be required by law, but you you should have yeah. them, right? And so that's your general liability. Um, I would argue in today's world and environment, EPLI is an absolute must. Um, cyber a lot of people are still kind of taking a risk on those um kind
0: of depends on the business like if i'm a restaurant cyber may not be as big of a deal than if i'm a a law firm
1: sure yeah and i think depending on how you're collecting credit card information right oftentimes we don't think of credit card information as personal information that's being collected but are you storing and you keeping like registers of payments that are processed names addresses on those credit cards any personal information that's leaked could be considered part of that cyber hack. Um, and so That's yeah. kind of a, 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 even for restaurants, I think is a fairly critical policy to have now, fairly inexpensive, because the exposure isn't as large as it would be for an accounting firm, but um, still a, a potential risk. Um, you know, and, and so then the other one's property, right, is a really critical risk that and not just The actual building location, but also the internal components like personal property um, uh, for any business would be a really wise insurance to have, in my opinion. And those are kind of the basics. Um, You know, you can get into if you're running a gym or if you're working with youth. um, One that people often overlook is like uh, the molestation or sexual abuse policies. Uh Those are carved out often. So those are
0: oftentimes carved out of your normal... Yeah. PNC coverage. So you should get a rider for that or an endorsement for that? So it's
1: typically a, a separate policy. Uh, it could be in some cases a rider um, to an existing policy, but usually it's very specific coverage yeah. um, that is, is kind of carved out and need specific coverage for that.
0: Is that as widely insured from like a carrier standpoint? Are there a lot of carriers that play in that game? There's not,
1: no. So it's a fairly niche market, right, that um, – uh, there's a few carriers that do it, and they do it well, and they they, they they write that on a pretty consistent basis. But it's not your main street coverage, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it, it, it is a little more difficult to, to acquire.
0: And then on top of you start to get into – like if it's maybe um, – if they're by an ocean, you're talking different coverage because that's where you start to get – a lot of stuff carved out around water yes. or uh, if you're, what is it? 15 feet up, 15 feet below, that's where things start to get a bit wonky.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's always exceptions, right? Um, depending on the risk of the business. Um, you know, if you're hauling cargo across the ocean, right? Bringing something in from China, inventory, who's covering that inventory? Is it your responsibility? Is it the, the shipping company's responsibility? And so, um, again, that, I think that's where it really comes down to every business is so unique. Uh, And it just needs to be a very open dialogue with your broker to understand the operations where you're if you're responsible for even, you know, uh, I have a client who they run a bakery um, and they also they'll ship their products down via, you know, an 18 wheeler down to other states. And then on the way back, so they're they're not driving empty. They're hauling other people's cargo. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, who's responsible for that? Is it on, you know the restaurant because it's their 18-wheeler or does, do the other people have the coverage to cover inventory
0: coming back across state lines? So you bring up a good point there. You know, if, if I'm a business, I can, I can control my insurance. I, I can write those policies or I can go with a broker to write those policies. Um, and I can make sure that my coverage is in place and I can do that annually, review that, or, you know, oftentimes look at that on an ongoing basis but that's different than or or i don't have as much control is if i have maybe subcontractors or third parties that are working on my behalf what are some best practices that you recommend business owners put in place to make sure that they're covered as it relates to their maybe independent contractors those third-party vendors that they're working through
1: so great question um i I think it's really important whenever you're working with like a 1099 or a subcontractor that you're listed on their policy as an additional insured. Um, And, and, you know, with with a work comp to also include waivers of subrogation, which basically means that in the event of a claim, they're going to go after that subcontractor's policy first and not the general contractor or not the hiring party. Um, Those 1099s um, or, or subcontractors, you can actually request that, right? And I would request a certificate of insurance showing that I'm listed, my business is listed as the additional insured or as the uh, that I have the waiver of subrogation listed on those policies uh, for anyone that comes on my job. And oftentimes with work comp, it's it's an interesting dynamic because if I'm the hiring party, and we'll use the construction industry as a a good example here, if I'm a general contractor and I hire a subcontractor to come on my job and I don't check to see if they have a certificate of insurance for for work comp, um, and and maybe they're flying rogue, maybe it's a, a small artist and contractor uh, coming on doing some HVAC work for me or something. Um, if they have an injury on the job and I they don't have work comp insurance, it's now my responsibility to pick up the claim on my policy. Um, and, and in addition to picking up the injury, at the time of an audit, I'm also going to have to end up paying the premium for the, the amount of money that I paid that contractor while they were on my job. And so – it's kind of a a really fine line. Um, Just assume that if you're the hiring party, you're likely assuming their risk if they don't have insurance. Um, And so that's why you want to mitigate that risk as much as possible um, through being listed as additional insureds with
0: waivers of subrogation. And then also... um, The waiver of subrogation, is that on your policy or is that on their policy?
1: That's on their policy. Yep. Uh, Basically saying they're not... They're, yeah. yeah. They're waving the, the right just to party. sue yeah. you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so how do you go about getting on as, the, as a, another named insured, on somebody else's policy
1: it's actually a fairly easy process so for example if if you wanted if we were doing work together and you wanted to be listed on my policy as an additional insured you just simply submit that request to me as a broker you can add endorsements to the policy to add those additional insureds landlords oftentimes will do that right hey i'm leasing my property i want to be listed as additional insured in the event of a claim that you know and and even so that they're paid out first on on a claim right Mm -hmm. um there Oftentimes, there's a cost associated with adding additional insureds. Um, most carriers are pretty good about adding what they call a blanket endorsement, right, so that you can add as many additional insureds as you want. It's a fixed fee oftentimes, and it's a lot more cost-effective to do it that way versus than adding them individually one at a time.
0: That's a pretty negligible... Yeah.
1: I mean, add on, right? Depending on the carrier, you know, I, I think you'd be safe to say or assume in a range of anywhere from 750 to $200 for a blanket endorsement. Yeah. Um, think of it more of the cost of if you were to add three individual ins- additional insureds, it's probably cheaper at that point to start adding the blanket yeah. instead of and one. And that's by annually. One. It is annually. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. And so if you're like, if you're in the construction industry and you're doing a lot of work with, GCs. That's probably a standard thing in your world because you're going to be working with a lot of different GCs that possibly want that.
1: So it's a standard practice for us. We add the additional insured almost exclude, like, unless we're advised yeah. not to right? Um, because m- most subcontractors are going to be asked to list those general contractors or anyone they're doing work for to be an additional insured yeah. on the policy. So we almost add the blanket every time. Um, there are some who say, I, I don't need it. I don't want it and we'll save the, you know, seven hundred fifty bucks, but that's it, probably the exception more than
0: the rule. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so that's that's more on the you know covering uh, business owner company PNC that side of things. What's you know what's been your experience in the marketplace, especially now that labor is a lot tighter? Trying to find the right people for the right job is more difficult, especially depending upon industry. As it relates to group benefits, is that becoming more and more of table stakes to get any type of talent? Or is it still just kind of out there where you see some people that are wanting to do it and others that aren't? You know, that's always
1: been a a really interesting question to me because, you know, know, we'll use my own business, for example. I've had people leave, employees leave, because they they claim they're getting paid a dollar or two more to go work down the street for a different shop. Um, And we've lost people because of that. And so we we offer a very generous and... and, uh, rich benefits package where at, at our business. And, and obviously we're in the industry so I feel like it's part of what we have <laughs> to do anyway. Um, but um, we have fairly low deductibles and, and as an organization we pay 95% of all of our employee benefits uh, for our, our employees and then we cover a large portion of the, the family's benefit. And, and so there isn't a lot of cost to them and if an employees looks at that the right way, Right. And they understand the true cost of of those benefits that, that we're giving to them. This employee who left had, he actually wanted to come back after he left because he thought he was leaving for more money. But then when he looked at the actual true cost of his insurance and how much we were contributing towards his insurance, he was actually taking a, a, a pay yeah. cut to leave. He didn't realize that at the time. And, you know, we, we parted ways and were friends, yeah. but we didn't actually bring him back in. Um, and, and so. Where talent is at a premium, what are you doing to attract talent, right? Is it just about the pay? Uh, Sometimes for some employees it is. For others, it's knowing that they have a great benefits package. And I think the more an employer can emphasize that and talk about it, we oftentimes call it the hidden paycheck. And if you can show them either annually or quarterly, here's what we contributed on behalf of your benefits, right, right? so you can have health insurance it goes a long way right just to say, wow those things start to matter yeah it adds up really quick So if you're not paying it someone else is and so if i would say if business owners are having a hard time attracting talent look at your benefits package it's a great way to bring people in and and oftentimes when we think of employee benefits the number one right is health insurance that everybody thinks of and there's a lot of focus on that with the, the affordable care act um and, and that's a critical one. That's yeah. the one that's probably the, the highest cost that is at the forefront. But oftentimes people will offer dental plans. And even by just offering a dental plan, you may not even contribute to it as an employer. But it, just by offering a group plan at a discounted rate for the employees can be enough. Yeah, uh, Vision is the same way. Um, there's a, a new space out there that's pet insurance, very low cost. Um <laughs> And you know, you talk. You to, guys
0: offer pet insurance, right? We do.
1: Yeah. Um, and, and you'd be amazed at how many people buy it.
0: What does pet insurance cover?
1: So think of it like health insurance, uh, for your animal, right. Uh, for your pets. Like so,
0: routine visits at discounted rates. Yeah,
1: yeah. like a physical, if you will. And then if they have to go in for a surgery, then it's a discounted rate. Um, and there's variations to sure. the plans, uh, but it, think of it as a, a health insurance type of policy for your animals. That's so funny. But, I mean, as, you know, we look at our society and people, our pets are part of our families yeah. and they're, they go on vacations with us. And so, and, and you know, if, you know, we have a, a little golden doodle at our house and uh, if something happened to that, you know, our, our dog, well, my kids would be devastated. I'd be devastated. My <laughs> wife would be devastated. But if some, she has to go in for surgery, I mean, it's, it's as much as surgery for you and I. <laughs> no kidding. So, I mean, who has an extra 10 grand laying around, especially if they're working a, a a minimum wage type of position but their animals are very important to them that's a great benefit to know hey i i got this tank care, but i don't have to worry about it maybe i pay a thousand dollar deductible but i have the other nine thousand covered for you yeah. know my dog's broken leg or something so it 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 can be a game changer and the cost is very low for the business owner as a, a throw-in coverage right uh group life insurance is another one of those that's very inexpensive um, especially if you do like the, uh, the employer sponsored plan versus a voluntary plan, a voluntary plan basically means the employee can choose to go on it or not. Um, and if employer pays a large portion of it or, or pays that entire premium, it's a guaranteed issue of maybe 20,000 or 50,000, um, in the event of a, a you know, a death uh, and, it's, I mean, we're talking, those are super cheap. Yeah. I mean, very, very inexpensive, a couple dollars, maybe per employee for the monthly premium.
0: Yeah. So philosophically, I got a, got a question for you. Um, it, voluntary life has always been one that I have a hard time with, uh, because on some side, like some part of me is, you know, I want to encourage my team members to go get term life, on their own, sure. Like, apart from uh, you know employer sponsor, because it's port, you know, you don't have to worry about portability issues. It's typically going to be cheaper. You're typically going to get better terms. Um, how do you how do you balance that? Like, you know, what I can't offer that plan. You're going to pay for it here. You're going to pay for it on the open market. Whereas open, it may be better do it there versus here. How do you balance? You know, this is a benefit that we're offering, but maybe it's not the best benefit that that you could participate in as the employee.
1: So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it depends on the audience, right, and the employee. Uh, I agree. Um, everyone should have some type of life policy. Um, preferably, I mean, I carry a term and I have a whole life policy for myself. I'm in the insurance industry, so I see the value. Um, and uh, I think my business partners have the same setup, right? Um, but not everybody can afford an extra $100 a month. I mean, right now, gasoline's at an all-time high, yeah. right? That's some of the extras that people may need to cut out of their life that they just can't afford. But what happens in the event of a critical life event, right? Well, for the employer to give them a $50,000 guaranteed coverage, regardless of what your your health history is, right? Oftentimes when you and I go to buy a, a term policy or whole life policy, there's medical underwriting mm-hmm. that goes into it. We offer, as an employer, a guaranteed issue, regardless of your health status, $50,000 life or 100000 or two hundred and fifty. Right, and obviously the premiums go up a little bit with each increase, but that is a really awesome benefit, especially in today's world where inflation is at an all-time high. And everything's costing more than it ever has. I'll bet you, and I don't know the numbers on this, I'm just guessing, but I'll bet you life insurance and those extra nice-to-have things are people aren't doing as much. They're probably canceling their policies yeah. and saving that fifty bucks, hundred bucks a month. And as an employer, if your your cost goes up by 2 or $3 to give them some type of coverage, ah, maybe they're sleeping a little bit better at night and I think creating some loyalty to yeah. your organization. So those are the extra policies that I think people often overlook. And they think they're expensive, but man, I mean, it's going to be far less expensive than any of the other benefits you offer and I think really helps retain employees. Yeah.
0: So the... Voluntary life is is always kind of the standard one that a lot of people will go to. I, I feel like go to after medical dental vision. Um, and then you get into the STDs, LTDs, short-term disability, long-term disabilities. Do you write a lot of that stuff? Are you still seeing that stuff happen a lot? So, I mean, we do. We write it. We offer it. Um,
1: and, again, depending on your industry, there could be some strategy to offering it or to not offering it, right? Um, say, for example, if they know they can – uh, get on a short-term disability plan, right, versus coming back to work, will they take that option, Yeah. right? And so there, I think every situation is unique. Um, we certainly talk through that with our clients. You know, would you benefit from having uh, a short-term dis- or would it be a detriment to your business, right? Would you have people trying to get on that plan just to take compensation for a you know, few weeks and then come back to yeah. work at that point? So I think it's case-by-case scenario. We still sell those. Typically, it's your same... Life and group life insurance companies that will offer long-term, short-term disability type of plans, um, but I'll bet of our 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 kind of book of business, sixty percent offer long-term and short-term really? disability. It's fairly inexpensive. Yeah, similar to that um, uh, group life, right? I mean, you're thinking of similar premiums, maybe a couple dollars, um, at least in our market. Yeah, um, and, and that will vary by market, right? Uh, California, New York. Florida is probably higher than what it would be for.
0: It's going to be interesting to see how that stuff goes because, you know, with, there's, I think, 13 states now that offer a, or they have a mandatory paid sick leave that is somewhat mimicking some of these STD policies that are out there. Yeah. I think in New York, it's I, I want to say, you don't quote me on this, but I think it's like 12 weeks of – paid sick leave at two thirds, which is, I mean, you start to hear the language of these policies like, oh, that sound, or that, those mandatory things. It's like, that sounds like a short-term disability policy. It does, yeah. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that changes well, both, you know, what PTO looks like for employers now that things become mandatory and how that's going to affect insurance offerings over time. Definitely. I'm curious. You mentioned, uh, you know, you guys have the pet policy. You guys offer full benefits for your team. Do you guys ever uh, show – like total comp packages to your team where it's it's both cash and non-cash compensation to see total benefit do you guys do that
1: we, we try to uh we could probably be better at that i certainly think that there's a lot of value there because again it's the hidden paycheck that no one ever sees right i mean i gave that example earlier of our employee leaving because he thought he was making a dollar or two more but then when he looked at his total comp he was actually taking a huge decrease by leaving our organization because of the extra cost of, of health insurance. I think the place that he ended up going to only paid 50% of his individual premium and nothing for the family. Well, we are paying 95% of his and at least 50% of the family, depending on how long he's been with the organization. So it was a huge cut and pay for him. Um, and, and I think it took an experience like that for us uh, to kind of start showing more of those hidden paychecks. Yeah. Right. And so we, we certainly do it at least once a year at open enrollment, unfortunately that's the short term memory yeah. with that yeah. right and so i think if an employer can do like an extra pay stub uh quarterly to say hey just so you know so you know how great we are and how much we value here's what we we've, we've contributed to you guys on a quarterly basis right here's what we do and just so it stays top of mind because yeah. if you're not doing that if you're not remembering the employees definitely not thinking about it and, and so do they ever really understand the what you're contributing
0: yeah we haven't gone the route of showing total comp statements with our team i i I have started to do that in our offer letters for new hires just because of that very reason like cash is one thing but there's a lot of other stuff that you get as part of working here from a benefit standpoint we do have like on our pay stubs it'll show employer paid items and, and stuff you know medical dental vision retirement um but we we've never gone the the that extra step of Doing like an annual, hey, this is where we're at, or or things like that. I've always, I've been intrigued by that, though. I,
1: I think it's a good practice for people to get into. All right, I mean, and, and we do the same thing. We show it on the pay stubs uh, every payroll cycle, every two weeks. But how many of those employees are actually looking at right. that? Right. I mean, I would argue if I if I pulled uh, data, and I'm kind of a payroll nerd, so I, I I get it. But if I looked at how many people actually opened the the system yeah. and, and viewed their pay stubs, <laughs> I'll bet you it's less than 10%. They go and they look at their bank account. Oh, I got paid. Yeah. And they're never even seeing yeah. the employer paid portion. Right. And, and it's there. So that's why we make it a very purposeful event where we actually hand deliver those envelopes and you know, we'll give them, Hey, here is your hidden, you know, hidden paycheck. Here's yeah. extra stuff that we're contributing on your behalf quarterly or annually. And so it's kind of a, an event, right. And people see it. And I think they, they, when they, they get that, they, they really understand it. They, well, they a, appreciate
0: it's it. It's another touch point of positivity that you get to have with your employee. Sure. Of, of Even if they value it or they don't value it, it is I'm making an effort to show you, not only show you, but also do things for you that are valuable. Um, and you, even if it's not valuable to you, it's valuable to, to somebody in your life because uh, these are true important things that you need to be thinking about, or worried about, or concerned about. And so, yeah, agreed. It's, it's interesting. So, Randy, I appreciate you taking some time out of your day to come and talk to us about insurance. Wealth of knowledge. It's enjoyed to get to know you better. Uh, I really appreciate you, like I said, coming out and, and hanging out with us for a little bit.
1: That's my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to the One Step Better podcast. I'd really appreciate it if you would take some time to rate us five stars on your podcast player of choice and make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you never miss out on another episode. Thanks and have a great day.